All right, praises be to our loving Abba that we are able to gather once again to study his words and his commandments. Tonight, we're going to answer the first question, which is about the eating of blood. Can I be forgiven for the sin of eating blood? Now, we're going to first take a look at why it's forbidden for the people of Elohim to eat blood, because not many people are aware of that commandment. And so we're going to look at that first to answer the question that follows. In Tagalog, it was written to us, Magtanong ko lang po, may mga na, napatawad po ba sa pagkain ng dugo? In tr the English translation, I believe, is I just want to know if there have been those who were forgiven for eating blood. And so the question we pose is, is it biblical? Is it possible for a person who commits the sin of eating blood to be or given this question is often asked by people who are members of the Iglesia Ni Cristo because I, apparently that seems to be the general belief that when you eat blood, it is the unforgivable sin. Now, one some might some of you might be thinking, why on earth would people eat blood? Because when you think of people who eat blood, you think of Dracula, you think of vampires. But in many nations throughout the world, there are special delicacies. Foods that include blood, like um, like uh, the German sausage, for example, uh, black forest meat, I think, um, some soups that contain blood in them. And in Philippines, we have a delicacy called dinuguan, which is pork blood. And so there are foods which contain blood. Its main ingredient is blood. And so what does the Bible say about eating blood? Let's begin in Genesis 9, 3 down to 4. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs, but you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. Now, what we find here is the commandment of Yahuwah to Noah and his sons and daughters-in-law. And so this was the command after Noah and his family steps off from the ark to start a new life on earth. Yahuwah says, from now on, you can eat anything in the land. You can eat um, living things, right? Just like you eat green herbs. But if you are to eat meat, you shall not eat the flesh, the meat with its life, that is its blood. So even before the patriarchal era, during the days of Noah, Yahuwah Abba gave the command not to eat blood. Well, how about during the days of Moses? during the days of Israel, was, it, was there also a prohibition from eating blood? Let's read the book of Deuteronomy 12, 22 to 23. Just as the gazelle and the deer are eaten, so you may eat them. The unclean and the clean alike may eat them. Only be sure that you do not eat the blood, for the blood is the life. You may not eat the life with the meat. So we went from the patriarchal, patriarchal period, or before that, the days of Noah, to now the days of Moses in Israel, and the same prohibition applies. The Bible says you may eat meat, only be sure do not eat the blood, for the blood is the life. Now let's go to the Christian era, or to the days of the apostles. In the book of Acts 21, 25, as for the Gentile believers, they should do what we already told them in a letter. They should abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals and from sexual immorality. So clearly from the days of Noah to the days of the people of Yisharah or the days of Moses up until the days of the apostles, 
it is clear that there's a prohibition from consuming or from eating blood. So it is a sin to eat blood. Why does Yahuwah forbid the eating of blood? Deuteronomy 12, 22, 23, the Bible says, be sure that you do not eat the blood, for the blood is the life. And so in the eyes of Yahuwah, blood was not created for food. Meat or the animal itself, the living animal that you, that you kill and eat, you can eat that for food because it's given as food. But the blood is not meant for food. Now, what does it mean that life, the, the blood is the life? Leviticus 17, 11, the life of every living thing is in the blood. That is why Yahuwah has commanded that all blood be poured out on the altar to take away the people's sins. Blood, which is life, takes away sins. Now, what does it mean that the blood is the life? Because the blood is used for the atonement of sin, to take away the people's sin. This is why during the days of Yisrael, uh, for sins to be forgiven, the Israelites had to present an offering to Yahuwah, the blood from the animal is poured onto the altar for the forgiveness of sin. So this whole ceremony of slaughtering animals, pouring the blood on the altar for forgiveness of sins, what did that point to, which is so very sacred and valuable in the eyes of Yahuwah? Hebrews 9, 13 or 14, for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So according to scriptures, the ceremonies of animals being slaughtered, blood being poured on the altar for forgiveness of sins, that also points to what our King Yahushua will do. It foreshadows the great sacrifice of our Messiah, which was he sacrificed himself. He surrendered himself so that he can be killed or hung on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. So there's power in the blood of our King Yahushua. Blood represents atonement. It is sacred and it's not proper for blood to be, to be eaten because its purpose is for atonement and it's not for consumption. It's not for food. This is why we need to make a distinction between food and non-food. Blood is not food. It is used for the purpose of atonement. And so when the people of Yisharah were commanded not to eat blood, how would they fulfill this command when it was time to eat, when it was time to kill and eat the animal? How does one satisfy the requirements of Yahuwah's command, do not eat blood with the meat? Leviticus 17, 12 to 13. Therefore I said to the children of Yisrael, no one among you shall eat blood, nor shall any stranger who dwells among you eat blood. And so not just the Israelites, but even the strangers. They were also included in this command, do not eat blood. Whatever man of the children of Israel or of the strangers who dwell among you who hunts and catches any animal or bird that may be eaten, he shall pour out its blood and cover it with dust. And so for us to satisfy the requirement of the command, do not eat blood with the meat. What were the people of Israel commanded to do when they went out to hunt or to catch the animal 
that they would eat because back then, of course, there were no uh, convenience stores, there were no grocery places. If they wanted to eat meat, they had to catch it for themselves. And so after catching the animal, what commandment was given so that they could eat the meat without being worried about violating the command not to eat blood. Bible says you have to pour out its blood and cover it with dust. That way no one will be in danger of consuming or eating the blood. And so when you kill an animal to eat, pour out the blood, cover it with dust. If you give an animal to be slaughtered for, as a sacrifice for atonement of sin, then you give that to the priest and the blood is poured on the altar, right? And so there's a difference. And so if we're going to eat meat, we're supposed to pour out the blood. And once the blood is poured out, then you go ahead and cook uh, the meat. So once the blood has been poured out, you've satisfied already the requirement of the command, do not eat the meat with its blood. And so we practice this even today, because as we saw from the days of Noah to the days of Israel, to the days of the, the uh, early followers of Yahushua, the time of the apostles, it, the pattern remains the same. The pattern did not change. And so we do not eat blood. We do not consume blood. Now, how important a command was it uh, that the people of Israel not consume blood or not eat blood? In the book of Leviticus 17 and the verses 10 says, and whatever man of the house of Israel or of the strangers who dwell among you who eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood and will cut him off from among his people. And so when a person is guilty of eating blood, what is the command of Yahuwah concerning that person? That person is cut off from among the people of Allahim. In other words, we call this excommunication from the community. And so they're not allowed to participate in the ceremonies, the worship rituals of the people of Allahim. So they were not included anymore among the people of Allahim. So there are several commandments that when you break them, well, the equivalent is the consequence will be to be excommunicated, to be cut off among the people of Yisharah. However, does it mean their sins are no longer forgiven? For example, during the days of Israel, when they ate blood, does it mean that was the unforgivable sin? Oh, no. Because throughout scripture, we find evidence excommunication could last anywhere from a day to a lifetime, depending on the urgency of the convicted act. Once the allotted time has elapsed, the individual may return to the community as long as he repents for his actions. So during the days of Israel, when people commit sin, which require the punishment of being removed from the community, it doesn't mean they're permanently removed from the community. They can still return provided they repent. Well, who gets to decide how long the punishment will be? Who gets to decide if it's time for them to be able to return? Well, let's read the book of Exodus 24 verse 1. Now he said to Moses, come up to Yahuwah, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship from Afar. And so during the days of the Israelites, before there was a king, there were elders, right? In this case, there were 70 elders of Israel. And so every city throughout the, the uh, people of Israel, there were appointed elders. And the elders had certain functions. If you still remember the uh, conversation that Moses had with Jethro, right? 
It talked about dividing the role of judging and making decisions and finding resolutions to problems between the brethren. And so one of the duties of the elders is to execute punishment that fits the disobedience, including what kind of punishment, how long the punishment is for, and so on and so forth. And so during the days of Israel, these elders who were appointed, what was bestowed upon them so that they would make the appropriate decisions. The book of Numbers, so Yahuwah said to Moses, gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them, bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that they may stand there with you. Then I will come down and talk with you there. I will take, I will take of the spirit that is upon you and will put the same upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you that you may not bear it yourself alone. And so yeah, the plan for overseeing the people of Israel, according to Yahuwah, is to have a leader and elders, right? So you have the elders and they will bear the burden of the people. What is this burden of the people? These are the problems the people experience when they interact with one another. Because when you bring people together, what will you have? There's going to be opportunities for insults, for doing things against your neighbor, right? There's going to, I'm sure there's going to be disagreements. There's going to be squabbles. There can be fights. And so that's the burden of the people. And so people will commit sin against each other, sin against Yahuwah. And so to manage all that, to supervise and oversee all that, there had to be leaders. These are the elders, elders who understood the will of Yahuwah, so that they will make the proper decisions concerning, for example, if a person should be expelled, when a person who is expelled can be readmitted. And so they make those kinds of decisions. Now, what is the proof of this? In the book of Deuteronomy, we have a case here. If a man has a stubborn, rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and who, when they have chastened him, will not heed them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city, to the gate of his city. And they shall say to the elders of the city, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. You shall put away the evil from among you and all Israel shall hear and fear. So if there are disputes, if there are problems that emerge within the city, within the community of Israel, they would present that problem to the elders in every city. So every city apparently had elders who would oversee these problems among the people. They would decide, for example, whether or not the son should be stoned to death. To death. The elders have the authority to make that decision according to the will of Yahuwah. And so when people, for example, ate blood, yes, they were excommunicated. But it doesn't mean they were excommunicated forever. It doesn't mean that sin is forever binding. It is not the unforgivable sin. It's not true that eating blood is, the un, is an unforgivable sin. And even if they go through the entire year and they end up, you know, they repent of their sins, but they have not returned yet. Bible says there's a special day in which all the sins of Israel are forgiven. What is that special day? 
Leviticus 16. This shall be a statute forever for you. In the seventh month of the 10th day of the month, you shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether a native of your own country or a stranger who dwells among you. For on that day, the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before Yahuwah. So according to scriptures, what day was designated for the complete forgiveness of all sins? The day of atonement, right? So the day of atonement, it was like carte blanche. All the sins of the nation would be forgiven. And so it's not true. If you ate blood, you can no longer be forgiven. The Bible, there's no Bible passage that says a person who sins by eating blood can never be forgiven. And who affirms that? Let's read the book of 1 John 1, 7 down to 9. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Yahushua Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Who teaches us? That even if a person somehow eats blood, his sins can be forgiven. Apostle John confirmed it. He said, we have one who has the authority to forgive all sins. Not just some. Not just most. The Bible says all sin. This is why to say that all sins can be forgiven except for eating blood. Well, that, that goes against this teaching of the Apostle John. The Apostle John says, by the power of the blood of Yahushua Christ shed on Mount Calvary on the cross, by the power of the shed blood, all sins can be forgiven. And so we just need to approach Yahushua and confess our sins. Perhaps the only sin that cannot be forgiven if the sin is, it is the sin, it's not repented if a person repents and returns the bible says his sins will be forgiven and he will be cleansed from all unrighteousness beloved brethren do you believe in the power of the blood of yahushua we should because if we don't believe in the power of the blood of yahushua we don't truly belong to him we don't we need to have faith in yahushua and the shed blood that forgives us of our sins. You know how powerful the blood of Yahushua is? Let's read what it says in Hebrews, for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse their conscience from dead works to serve the living God? If we read Hebrews 9, Hebrews 10, the Bible teaches us that the blood of our King Yahushua it gives us eternal redemption. This is why it is far supreme than the blood of bulls and goats and the heifer. Remember during the days of Yeshua, during the days of Moses, the days of the, the priests of Israel, the priests would offer blood, sacrifices of animals for the blood on the altar and forgives the people's sins, right? How much more the blood of Yahushua? It's perfect. It's not the blood of an animal. It's the blood of the Son of God. The perfect and unblemished Son of God. The power 
the redemptive power of the shed blood of Yahusha, it far supersedes, it far surpasses the forgiving, the forgiving power of blood of bulls and goats. Now, I want you to think about that. Think about that, okay? If we will say that by eating the blood of a bull, let's say, for example, we ate dinuguan, right? We ate the blood of pork or something. We ate the blood of a bull. We ate the blood of a goat. We ate it. And then we say to ourselves, or we say to someone who ate blood, you cannot be forgiven anymore. Your sins cannot be forgiven anymore. You know what we're saying to them? The blood of the goat, the blood of the, uh, the, the bull, it has more power than the blood of Yahusha. Does that make sense? The Bible tells us the blood of Christ, it has power, power to obtain for us eternal redemption. This is why the sin of eating blood can be forgiven if we repent, if we approach Yahusha, because Yahusha will forgive all, all, not most, all of our sins so that we stand perfect before Yahuwah Allahim and to be with him forevermore. I hope that's clear to anyone. Maybe there are those who feel guilty and the burden of guilt is on them and they feel exasperated carrying that burden. And so may you find freedom. If Yahushua says you're forgiven, you're forgiven indeed. Take peace. Find peace in Yahushua's forgiveness. Okay, all right, let's go to our next question, our last question, but this is a kind of a little bit lengthy. Um, let's go to the question at hand. Um, one of our brothers who wrote, wrote in the question uh, had a pretty lengthy question here. Uh, let's go through it. The scriptures tell us that we must test and prove all things in Thessalonians 5.21. It also tells us not to lean on our own understanding, Proverbs 3.5. According to Daniel 12.4, knowledge will increase in the last days. The Apocrypha is a gift from Yahuwah that gives us greater insight into the scriptures and into events happening in the end time if we are in. Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. I will also reject thee, and thou shalt be uh, no priest to me. This verse would indicate that you can be a person of Yahuwah and be destroyed because you lack and or refuse knowledge. I've heard your position on the COVID-19 vaccine. You have indicated that we are tempting Yahuwah when we do not put our faith and trust in science. Your intentions seem pure. Your, message, your messages and teachings show that you have a desire and the love for Yahuwah's word. John 21, 17 says, if you love me, feed my sheep. Is it okay to feed the sheep lies? Is it okay to feed the sheep half-truths that will lead to their destruction? Is it okay to feed the sheep information that is harmful and deadly? You are a leader and a shepherd of Yahuwah's people. You cannot turn a blind eye to what is happening in the world. I would humbly ask you to watch the links below and honestly tell me afterward if the vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine, is a blessing from Yahuwah. You know, brothers and sisters, uh, uh, one of our brothers asked this question, not going to disclose the name, but one of the bro our brothers asked this question, and I really like the flow of thought that he shows in putting together this question. It shows that he is thinking and he is challenging, right? Because when I present something as a lesson, either in the BQA, the BHP, or the worship service, you have to challenge what I say. You have to test all things, including what I say. And so I, 
I applaud and I commend our brother for doing that. This is, we all need to do this. And I'm hoping that when we go through the discipleship training program, it's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to challenge each other to make sure that we do follow the truth because all of us can make mistakes, myself included. I make lots of mistakes, right? And so if I will be corrected by our brother, praise Yahuwah. We all should be there to correct each other. So I'm really thankful that we have uh, something like someone who's bold enough to, to, answer, to ask this question, okay? So we'll do our best to answer what was what's being asked. Um, basically, the question that I get from this paragraph is the bottom, right? I would humbly ask you to watch the links below and honestly tell me afterward if the vaccine is a blessing from Yahuwah. And so from this paragraph, the question can be phrased like this. Is the COVID-19 vaccine really a blessing from Yahuwah Elohim? Okay, so far so good? So that's basically the question, okay? So we're gonna watch the links because he's proposed like for us to look at the links and from there kind of determine and answer the question, is the COVID-19 vaccine really a blessing from Yahuwah Elohim? So we're gonna answer this question, but to answer this question, what are we gonna do? Well, we're going to use what he said because he said a lot of good things before asking the question, right? And so we're going to go through it one by one and see what we can get out of it so that we can fully test and answer this question, is the COVID-19 vaccine really a blessing from Yahuwah Elohim? So let's go back to the paragraph. He says, we must test and prove all things in Thessalonians 5, 21. You agree? Absolutely. Let's go ahead and take a look at that passage. Test all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of Evil. And so the Bible tells us to test all things. What is the purpose of testing all things? So that we can know the difference between what is good and what is evil. Because right now, especially, especially living in this world, sometimes it's very difficult to discern what is, what is good and what is evil, right? And so we have to test everything. And once we test everything, and we now are able to see the difference between good and evil, what do we do? We hold fast to what is good, and we abstain from every form of evil. So far, so good, right? So we need to test for what is good. Well, how will we know what is good? I mean, what is good for you may not be good for me. It's all relative, as people might say, right? So how do we know if one is good and one is not good? How can we test it for, quote-unquote, goodness? Romans 7, verse 12, therefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. Here the apostle Paul confirms what is good. What is the standard by which we can test if something is good and something is not good, right? What is that? The commandments of the law, specifically what? The 10 commandments. The 10 commandments, that's the heart and soul of all the laws of Yahuwah. There are 10 basic words, 10 basic commands. 10 basic laws. These are 10 principles by which all of the other laws and regulations derive from. That's why the 10 commandments was given uh, to the people of Israel, but even before it was codified in written form, it was already written in the hearts of people, in the heart of Adam and Eve and the people before the law came. That's how universal the Ten Commandments are. It is the master and foundational laws of Yahuwah Abba. And so that's the standard. 
if we're going to test for COVID-19, we've got to ask ourselves, is COVID-19, the vaccine, does, is that in violation of the commandments of God? Or is that in fulfillment of the commandments of God? So that's what we're going to use, right? And so let's look at the Ten Commandments. And here are some of the Ten Commandments. We've got five all the way to ten right there. So which do you think kind of directly applies to the question about testing whether COVID-19 is good or not good? I think it would be nine. Okay, somebody says nine. Yeah, I guess so. But for me, I think what directly applies is number six, right? You shall not murder. Remember, the commandments are given in such a way so that they're specific enough so that we can identify them, but broadly applied so that we can apply them in different areas of our life. This is why throughout the Bible, what we find are illustrations, applications, and different ways by which the essence of each of the Ten Commandments are played out. Okay, so throughout Scripture, all of the commandments are illustrated for us, and you can reduce all of them to one of these Ten Commandments. So when we come across this command, you shall not murder, there's also a positive aspect to that, right? The basic principle behind the commandment you shall not murder is the value of human life and so we want to preserve human life human life per se is good in the high in the eyes of Yahuwah Abba what's the proof Genesis 1 so God created man in his own image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them then God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good so the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And so commandment number six, you shall not murder, communicates to us that Yahuwah Abba values human life. Okay. How valuable is human life? In Leviticus 24, 17 to 18, anyone who commits murder shall be put to death. And anyone who kills an animal belonging to someone else must replace it. The principle is a life for a life. How valuable is human life? It cannot be replaced. You know, the, the animal, the, the life of an animal can be replaced. You kill someone's sheep, you give them another sheep. But you kill a person, you can't give another person. This is why the Bible says the only way for restitution to be made is a life or a life. This is why when a person commits murder, that person, according to the law of Yahuwah, should be put to Death, because the value of human life does not have a price tag. There's nothing on earth. There's no payment on earth that can equate to human life because there's no power on earth. There's no science on earth that can produce human life. It is a gift from Yahuwah. This is why life is good. Life is from Yahuwah Abba. How important is why is human life so important? Genesis 9, if anyone takes a human life, that person's life will also be taken by human hands. For God made human beings in his own image. And so when we look at the commandment, number six, do not murder. It tells us, it communicates to us, and it's illustrated throughout the whole Bible, that human life is valuable to Yahuwah. Human life and preserving human life is good in the eyes of Yahuwah, in our King Yahusha, when he was here on earth, how did he differentiate himself from those who want to kill? Let's read John 10.10. 10. 
The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And so here our King Yahushua is contrasting himself with the, the devil, basically. That's what John 10 is about. He is like the good shepherd, right? And so for the good shepherd, Yahushua, he's differentiating himself. He's showing how he's different from the thief. The thief who is the devil, what do they like to do? To kill and to destroy. Kill and destroy. This is why disease, that is of the devil. Disease that destroys human life, this is not really what Yahushua wants. This is why when Yahushua walked on earth, in his path, all those who were sick who touched him, who came close to him, who asked for healing, they were all healed, right? Because that's what Yahushua does. He preserves life. He comes to give life and to give it more abundantly. So Yahushua is pro-life. He wants life to be preserved because life is good. How else did Yahushua our king uh, illustrate for us the value of human life? In the book of Mark, 225 to 26, but he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry? He and those with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priests. And also gave some to those who were with him. So he, our King Yehusha is telling us how valuable life is. Yehusha gave this illustration about David and the people with him who were hungry and were in need. Nothing to eat except for the showbread. But wait a minute, the showbread is only supposed to be eaten by the high priest. In this case, an exception was made. Why? Because of the value of human life. David's life, the life of those who were with him were valuable to Yahuwah and to Yahusha. Matthew chapter 12, 11 and 13 also. Then he said to them, what man is there among you who has one sheep and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand and he stretched it out, and it was restored as a whole as the other. So according to Yahushua, even especially during Sabbath, right? If someone is in need of healing, if someone is in need of medical attention, you should provide it to that person because the value of man is far, far more exceeding than the value of sheep. Time and time again, Yahuwah and Yahushua has given us illustrations and applications of the value of human life, which is communicated in its essence by the commandment, you shall not murder, okay? So if we are to test if COVID-19 vaccine is a blessing from Yahuwah, we need to test if it's good or not. And what we know is that anything that can save a life and does not violate the commands of Yahuwah, Allahim, must be what? Good. So far so good? Right. All right. So that's what we're going to use. First uh, Thessalonians 5.21. What else? He goes on to say, do not lean on our own understanding. Proverbs 3 verse 5. True. It says, you trust in Yahuwah with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. So according to the Holy Bible, we should not lean on our own understanding. So here's COVID-19. And the decision is, should I take the vaccine or not? 
if I take the vaccine, is that a sin against Yahuwah? Is the vaccine a blessing from Yahuwah, right? And so we're kind of juggling all these thoughts in our minds and we're doing the pros and cons. We're doing a risk assessment in our minds and asking ourselves, should I take the vaccine or not? And so we need to trust in Yahuwah instead of leading in our own understanding. And so what does that mean? That we are to trust in Yahuwah instead of leaning on our own understanding. The Bible says, acknowledge him in all your ways. And so the first thing we need to do is to, by, to, to show that we're trusting Yahuwah is to acknowledge him in all our ways. How do you do that? How do you acknowledge Yahuwah in all our ways? What do we do? We should pray, right? And when we pray, what should we ask from our Father? James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. And so for us to show Yahuwah that we trust him, we're going to ask him, right, for wisdom so that we can make the decision to see if it's good or not good. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the ability to be able to see the difference between what is good and what is not good. Or as someone else put it, to see the difference between what is good and what is almost good. <laughs> and so we apply wisdom. Does it mean that once we pray to Yahuwah, everything that goes into our mind, we're gonna say, oh, the spirit told me this. The spirit told me that. This is what Yahuwah commanded me to tell you. Is that what, we're getting, is that what it means? Now, you have to remember, when it comes to giving us wisdom, what's the source of wisdom? Where do we find wisdom? It's written. So the first thing we do is look at scripture. What does the scripture say? What do the commandments say? This is why we look at the Ten Commandments. If from the Ten Commandments it's not yet clear, we ask for more wisdom so we can see more patterns in the Holy Bible, more words from the Holy Bible that would give illumination to the question at hand so that we can make the proper decision. So when it comes to asking for wisdom, it means asking for wisdom, praying to Yahuwah, and at the same time searching the scriptures and getting the answer from the scriptures. Okay? All right. Hopefully that's good. What else? Well, he goes on to say, Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. I will also reject thee, and thou shalt not be a priest to me. The verse would indicate that you can be a person of Yahuwah and be destroyed because you lack or refuse knowledge. And so the context of the question, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, is that the knowledge that he is referring to is knowledge about the COVID vaccine itself. And if you don't have the proper knowledge of the COVID vaccine itself, it will lead to destruction according to Hosea 6. So even if you belong to the people of Elohim, you are among Yahuwah's people, right? If you lack the proper knowledge about what's happening in the world, you can also be destroyed. And so the question I want to ask is, based on Hosea 4.6, what is the knowledge referred to there? Is, is it medical knowledge? And what is the destruction referred to there in Hosea 4.6? So let's go ahead and take a look at Hosea 4.6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also will reject you from being priests for me because you have forgotten the law of your God. I will also forget your children. So when it says that people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, specifically, what knowledge is the prophet speaking of? 
It is knowledge about the law of God, right? And so it's the law of God that if we lack it and we disobey because we don't know it, if we end up disobeying the laws of God, we're going to end up destroyed. What is the proof that that is the knowledge referred to here? We read 4, 6. Let's read uh, verse 1. Hear the word of Yahuwah, you children of Israel, for Yahuwah brings a charge against the inhabitants of the land. There is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. So the land, or so the knowledge that is referred to that we must obtain so that we can avoid destruction is the knowledge of God, namely the laws of God, or what do we call that again? The Ten Commandments. Again, it goes back to the Ten Commandments, right? We use the Ten Commandments to test because when you read Hosea, the people of Israel, they were backsliding from Yahuwah because they were disobeying the Ten Commandments. As a matter of fact, if you read Hosea, the prophet specifies exactly which commands of the Ten Commandments they were not following. And so the knowledge referred to in Hosea is specifically the Ten Commandments. And what's the punishment? What's the destruction? I mean, Hosea 4, 7, 10, the more they increase, the more they sin against me, I will change their glory into shame. They eat up the sin of my people. They set their hearts on their iniquity, and it shall be like people, like priests. So I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their deeds. For they shall eat but not have enough. They shall commit harlotry but not increase, because they have ceased obeying Yahuwah. And so the whole point of Hosea 4, the reason why there is a book of Hosea, is to tell the people of the house of Israel that Yahuwah has rejected you because you have disobeyed his commandments. And because of this, you're being punished. You're going to be exiled. And But Hosea, in Hosea, Yahuwah has a promise that he will gather again the lost tribes of Yisharah. And so Hosea 4.6 tells us again, it's about using the Ten Commandments. That is the standard by which we test all things. And so let's go on to what he says next. I've heard your position on the COVID-19 vaccine. You have indicated that we are tempting Yahuwah when we do not put our faith and trust in science. So try to recall exactly what I said, but I don't think we would ever say that we should place our hope and trust in science. I don't recall ever saying um, that we should place our hope and trust in medicine. As a matter of fact, we've often heard from this pulpit that we should not place our trust and hope in human wisdom or science, right? But it doesn't mean we can't use it. We use science and technology all the time. This is why you have cars, why we, why we have computers. This is why we have refrigerators. We use science and technology all the time, but we don't trust it. You see the difference? We use it, but we don't trust it. Who do we trust? Yahuwah, right? And so the ministry, the assembly of Yahusha, we have never preached. And nor will we ever preach that we must place our faith and trust in science. We've never preached that. We've never condoned that. We use science, yes, but we don't trust it. We don't place our hope in science. Now, the, the uh, episode that he was referring to that he watched and made that conclusion, it was a response to a question. And the purpose of that episode was to answer this question right here, right? Isn't it better to just trust God's protection rather than take the COVID vaccine. So that whole episode was to answer this one question, right? 
isn't it better to just trust God protection rather than take the COVID vaccine? And so what this question entails is by taking the vaccine, it is not trusting Yahuwah. So when you take the, the COVID-19 vaccine, it's an expression of not trusting Abba. So it would be a sin to take the COVID-19 vaccine. So that was the question we wanted to answer in that episode. And so how did we answer it? I'm going to show you how I answered the question to show you how it connects to the question today, okay? So the way we answered it is, you know, there's, we have to now differentiate between trusting God versus testing God, right? And so what we presented was, are we against the vaccine? Are we against med, med, uh, medicine in general? And so we cited Isaiah 38, 1 to 3 about that time. Hezekiah became deathly ill. And the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to visit him. He gave uh, the king this message. This is what Jehovah says, set your affairs in order. For you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. When Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to Yahuwah. Remember, O Yahuwah, how I have always been faithful to you and have served you single-handedly, uh, single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. So we gave, as part of the answer, this story about King Hezekiah when he was approached uh, by the prophet Isaiah, informing him to set, settle, to put his house in order because you're going you're gonna to die. You're going to get sick and you're, gonna, you're not going to recover from the sickness. Now, we're not saying the sickness he got was, was COVID. <laughs> it's not COVID. It's some sickness that he had, right? And so prophet says, you're going to die. Put your affairs in order. And so what does Hezekiah do? Four to six. And this message came to Isaiah from Yahuwah. Go back to Hezekiah and tell him, this is what Yahuwah, the God of your ancestor, David, says, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. Yes, I will defend this city. And so what did Hezekiah do when he found out he had a terminal disease? He prayed. He trusted who? Yahuwah. And this is what we preached. And this is what we continue to preach. If we're sick, right, whether it be uh, heart disease or diabetes or COVID or cancer, whatever it may be, what do we do first? We pray to Yahuwah. We show that we trust Yahuwah, right? Just like King Hezekiah. Doesn't mean we ignore the medical doctors. Doesn't mean we no longer seek professional help. We do. Because after Hezekiah was told he was going to get well, because Yahuwah will add 15 years to his life. You know, what did Isaiah tell him? Uh, verse 21, Isaiah had said to Hezekiah's servants, make an ointment from figs and spread it over the boil, and Hezekiah will recover. And so that was the, the medical science of that time, right? That was the, the science during the days of Hezekiah and Isaiah. Figs, like home remedies. And so this was told by uh, Isaiah was instructed to make an ointment. And so medication was applied in the sickness of, of Hezekiah so that he will be well, okay? So here we have the relationship. Here we have both trusting first and foremost to Yahuwah, trusting Yahuwah, and at the same time using medication, okay? And when we say we seek the help of medical professionals, what must we remember? And so in that episode, we went to the book of Second Chronicles 16, 12 to 13. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in speech. Though his disease was severe, even in his illness, 
he did not seek help from Yahuwah, but only from the physicians. Then in the 41st year of his reign, Asa died and rested with his father. So here we have another king, Asa, right? And he had also a disease, a foot disease, but he died. What was the difference between Asa and Hezekiah? With Asa, he sought help only from the physicians. He did not seek help from whom? Yahuwah. It was evident that Asa places hope and trust not in Yahuwah, but in the physicians. And so the point of this passage is to tell us if we're sick, yeah, we can, use, we can seek help from medical professionals, but we should seek help first from who? Yahuwah. So we pray first, Yahuwah, please heal me, right? And then please bless the doctor who's going to attend to me, that this doctor will make the correct decision about my situation, right? So we go to Yahuwah first, and then we, we fulfill our responsibility, which is to look for a credible doctor and to fulfill what we need to do. Okay, so when it comes to healing during our time, we pray to Yahuwah for healing, but we also do our part because we have a responsibility as well. We cannot be negligent. We cannot say to Yahuwah, please heal me. But at the same time, we are eating foods which make us sick right? If we do that, if we're telling Yahuwah, please heal me, but we're always, we're gluttons, what are we doing? Well, let's read the book of Matthew 4, 5 uh, to 7. Yahushua, uh, then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a Stone. This was the temptation of Yahushua when he was in the wilderness after the 40 days of fasting. And so the devil goes to him and tests him or tempts him. And so what was one of the tests? He said, if you are the son of God, well, why don't you throw yourself down so that the angels of God can rescue you miraculously? Right? What did Yahushua say? Yahushua said to him, Yahushua answered him, it is also written, do not put Yahuwah your God to thee. Yes. And that's so the whole point of answering the question is, we should trust God, but we should not test him. Now, what's the difference? To trust God is to do our part in resolving our problems and depend on him to do what we cannot do. So we go to Yahuwah first. Father, please heal me. Father, please protect my household from COVID. But when we pray that prayer of trust, we have to also do our part, right? Because if we will not do our part, if we are negligent about what we should be doing, then we're testing God. Because the test God is to force him to perform a miracle to cover for our irresponsibility. It's a good thing in many cases, even though it is because of our irresponsibility that we find our, 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 ourselves in places where we ought not to be. Because of our irresponsibility and negligence, sometimes we end up sick. It's a good thing Yahuwah still answers our prayer, right? Even though we sometimes end up testing him. So trusting God, testing God. Remember, when with the outbreak of COVID-19, people must be responsible. We have to be responsible. We cannot ignore the facts. We cannot ignore that there is a COVID-19 virus. Taking responsibility to protect ourselves from COVID-19 can mean different things to different people, okay? So to protect ourselves from COVID doesn't mean we don't do anything. We do something, but what you do is up to you, but you have to do something. Right? That's the whole point, right? 
And for some, it's staying at home. And there are people who do that and still do that. They just decide, I'm just gonna stay at home. I have everything I need. I'll go to the store from time to time, right? But I will protect myself wearing a mask, which is a good thing. You're doing your part. For some, it's taking herbal medicine. For some, it's just taking some home remedy. But for some, it may be taking a COVID-19 vaccine. Would it be a sin if we're going to take the COVID-19 vaccine as the thing we do as part of our responsibility so that we can protect ourselves from the disease? I don't think so. Because it's the same thing with taking a home remedy or herbal medication or just staying at home. We do take action so that we can, so we would not be negligent and fulfill our responsibility, but at the same time, first and foremost, we trust who? Yahuwah, right? And so for some, it's taking the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, taking the vaccine may not be for everyone. This is why the assembly has never imposed the vaccine on anyone. Never have we done that, right? Never have we said that taking the vaccine is against the will of Yahuwah. So we never said, okay, you should take the vaccine. Never do we say it's wrong to take the vaccine. Our stand was everybody's body chemistry is different. This is why the choice to vaccinate or not is left to the person to make for himself or herself. We give that decision to you. What we're telling you is it's not a sin to take the COVID-19 vaccine. It's best, however, to consult with a medical professional to determine if the vaccine will work for you because everybody's, everybody's body is different. This is why some people are allergic to aspirin. This is why when you go to a doctor and they give you medication, what do they always ask you? Are you allergic to any kind of medication? Why? Because people are different. And so we have to take caution whenever we take any kind of vaccination or medication, right? So that was our stand. It was never to say this. We never said put our faith and trust in science. We never said that we are tempting Yahuwah if we do not put our faith and trust in science. What we said is if we tempt Yahuwah, if we do not do our part in resolving our own problems and depend on him to bail us out of our irresponsibility and negligence, trust in Yahuwah is not an excuse for laziness and negligence, okay? And so he goes on to John 21, 17, says, if you love my, if you love me, feed my sheep. Is it okay uh, to feed the sheep lies? Nope, it's not okay. Is it okay to feed the sheep half-truths that will lead to their destruction? Nope, that's not okay. Is it okay to feed the sheep information that is harmful and deadly? Nope, that's not okay. You are a leader and shepherd of Yahuwah's people. And I take that responsibility with Yahuwah's blessing and with Yahuwah's guidance to the best of my ability, okay? And so I will never purposely give you half-truths. I will do my best to tell, to tell you the whole truth because I believe sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. How do we know if it's truth? It's in the Bible. If it's against the Bible, it's not truth. And if it's against the Holy Bible, it will bring harm. And never will I do that for the best of my ability. And so when the question was asked in the episode about COVID, isn't it better to just trust God's protection rather than take the COVID vaccine? I presented the truth. I use the scriptures to present the truth. And the truth, in summary, gave us the, the, the following. To trust God is to do our part in resolving our problems and depend on him to do what we cannot. And to test God is to, to, test God is to force him to perform a miracle to cover for our irresponsibility. So that was the conclusion of how I answered that question. And to the best of my ability, I presented the truth and the whole truth using biblical passages. 
And so we're testing God if we will say to the people, you know, if we will say to the people, don't do anything. Yahuwah God will protect you even if you don't do anything. You know, we, we don't want to do that. We don't want to test Yahuwah Abba. So is preaching that taking the COVID-19 vaccine is permissible, preaching a half-truth that leads to destruction? So if we tell the brethren, okay, you know, look at yourself, consult with a doctor, it's okay. It's okay for you to take the COVID-19 medication. If we preach that, if it's permissible for you for for you to take the medication, when we preach that, does it mean that we are preaching a half-truth that will lead to their destruction? I don't think so. I think that's the truth. And part of that truth is for you to take personal responsibility, right? And so you have to make that decision on your own. And then he goes on to say, you cannot uh, turn a blind eye to see what is happening in the world. I would humbly ask you to watch the links below then honestly tell me afterward if the vaccine is a blessing from Yahuwah. So he wants us to look at some of the links that he has given. And after looking at the links to make a decision for ourselves to see whether or not the vaccine, COVID-19 vaccine, is a blessing from uh, Yahuwah. And so th this is the links that he gave, right? I would humbly ask you to watch the links below. And so, you know, the first thing we need to do because I get a lot of messages and a lot of people share me links, videos from YouTube and whatnot. And there's a lot of information in the internet. I'm, I'm pretty sure you're well aware of that. It can be so overwhelming sometimes, right? This is why when the Bible tells us to test all things, that also applies to information we get from the internet, right? And so it says we should test all things. We should test all <laughs> things, including and I would say, especially, especially information taken from the internet, right? And so when you look at the links, do you notice anything about the links that he shared with us here? What do you notice? What kind of jumps out at you, the links that he shared? Yeah, it's all from one source, BitChute, right? And so when I, looked at, when I was looking at this, before I even opened the links, what I decided to do was, what is BitChute? I've never heard of that before. What is BitChute? So I did some digging. I went to the internet, right? Tested out. And so several sources, well, this is what I got, BitChute. Uh, BitChute is an all-tech video hosting service for Wikipedia, launched by Ray Vahey in, in January 2017. It describes itself as offering freedom of expression. Well, the service is known for hosting far-right individuals, conspiracy theories, and hate speech. Okay, so BitChute is known for that. That's according to Wikipedia. But of course, you just don't trust Wikipedia. You explore other venues. You look at what other people have to say about BitChute. And so the purpose of BitChute, the founder, Ray Bailey, is to give a platform so that people will not be censored when they give videos. That can be a blessing, but it can also be a curse. Now there's no one to manage whether or not what you're getting is true information. And that's very dangerous. Because if no one is managing it, no one is like monitoring it, no one is screening it, um, how do you know if it's true or not, right? And so that's one. Uh, there's another one, uh, a Reuters, from the Reuters uh, website. BitChute and Odyssey serve up conspiracies, racism, and graphic violence to millions of viewers, taking advantage of big tech disinformation crackdowns and the rise of Trump, the sites, 
reflect a new media universe, one where COVID-19 is fake, Russia fights Nazis in Ukraine, and mass shootings are false flag operations. And so this site, Reuters site, uh, it gives this conclusion that a lot of the information that comes from BitChute is misinformation. Okay, so that's another one. But, you know, I wanted to look at something more credible. And so I went to Cornell University. And so Cornell University has a science group and they use special software, computer software, to kind of track and kind of monitor and analyze the content that BitChute was putting out there. And according to their analysis, it reveals several key characteristics of the platform. We find that only a handful of channels receive any engagement, and almost all of those channels contain conspiracies or hate speech. There's a high rate of hate speech on the platform as a whole. So that's according to the computer analysis that was conducted by the Cornell University Computer Department. Okay, so all in me, I mean, I have that in the back of my mind, but I want to look at BitChute. Okay, I want to look at the leaks myself and kind of test it. And so the first one was historical archive, young, fit, and dying, healthy young people are dying suddenly and unexpectedly, and they're connecting it somehow to COVID. And so they're looking for COVID. They want to compile a list of people who are dying because of um, the COVID vaccine. And if you will look for people dying for the, because of the COVID vaccine, you'll find some, right? Are we ignoring that truth? No. I mean, even with the flu vaccine, are there people who die because of the flu vaccine? Yes. There's no vaccine that's perfect. There's no vaccine that's perfect, especially at this early of the stage. This is why you have to kind of weigh the pros and cons. You know, you have to weigh your risks. You have to do risk assessment. My risk is be exposed to COVID and die, or should I take COVID-19 and minimize the symptoms so I don't have to go to the hospital and die in the hospital? So you have to risk take the risk, or is this too new that we're not really sure how my body's gonna to react to it, maybe I don't wanna take that risk. That's up to you, but you do something, right? And so I looked at BitChute and isn't the, the, the other link, a uh, 22 year old woman dies after the second shot of the vaccine, there's another death. And this one was really, really funny. Bill Gates wants to lower the population with vaccines, famous TED talk clips, when I watched it, and I was looking for the part where it says Bill, Bill Gates is planning a pandemic. He was talking about climate change. It's not about the COVID vaccine. He was talking about climate change. But when you read the title, Bill Gates wants to lower the population of vaccines, and then you attach TED talk. If you're not the type who tests all things, you might conclude in your memory bank, oh, Bill Gates is responsible for the the COVID, right? And so it can be very misleading. This title is very misleading. And so automatically I'm questioning the integrity of Bichu because of this, I'm questioning it, okay? Uh, news reporter in Taiwan, the COVID-19 vaccines are killing more people than the virus. And so when you look at the information, it's skewed in one direction. It doesn't give you the complete picture. Okay, so again, again I'm, I'm questioning the integrity so we have Jason Nelson sits beside his dying wife. She had a severe allergic reaction to the COVID vaccine. Um, what I want to know is, was she, what happened to her eventually? You know, you have to see the whole complete picture, not just part of it. And this is one incident in isolation. You have to look at the whole data, not just one negative data, right? I mean, if you're doing a test, if it's effective or not, 
You don't just look at the negatives and ignore the rest. You look at everything, not just half of it. This is why the question, the person who asks this question, when he talks about half truths, we bring that back to him, right? You have to look at the whole truth when it comes to the COVID vaccination. And so he's bringing us bit shoot, which is okay, let's look at bit shoot, but we have to test it as well. And so here's another one, the, uh, the last one. 31-year-old Brandon Crawford is left paralyzed from Johnson & Johnson vaccine. So what I conclude from looking at the bit shoot links is that the bit shoot is focused only on the negatives of the COVID-19 vaccine, which is not surprising because it's a common cognitive distortion. If you study psychology, we apply within ourselves what are called cognitive or psychological uh, distortions. And there's a there's a, a, a kind of cognitive distortion that's called negative filtering. According to cognitive beha behavioral therapy, CBT, negative filtering is a common uh, cognitive distortion. And most of us do it from time to time. Simply, it is filtering out all the positive information about a specific situation and only allowing in the negative information. So when I look at BitChute, that's what I find. <laughs> Right in BitChute, you kind of only allow the negative news, and that's what you put out there, but you ignore the positive, which to me is only half truth. Remember, what we want is the whole truth, not just a half truth, but the whole truth, right? So we have to test all things, especially information taken from the internet. So we saw like the negative. Well, how about the positive, right? I mean, according to this study, this is the study, right? Two years of US COVID vaccines has prevented millions of hospitalizations and deaths. And I want you to kind of focus on the authors. And so we have to make sure the, the ones presenting the topic are credible. I mean, are these people uh, hired by the government? No, they're not. They're not government affiliated. And so the reporting is not motivated by a political agenda, right? You have uh, Dr. Megan Fitzpatrick, from the Center of Vaccine Development, Global Health, Maryland School of University of Maryland School of Medicine, uh, Sayed uh, Mogdas from Computational Epidemiology, New York, uh, New York University. We have Abhishek Pandey, the Yale School of Public Health, and Allison Galvani, uh, Yale Center for Infectious Disease Modeling and Analysis. So they put together a, uh, a paper. Right? And according to their studies, what they find is since the advent of the COVID-19 vaccine, estimates of COVID-19 attributable deaths, hospitalizations and infections averted by the US vaccination program between December 12, 2020 and November 30, 2022, right? Number of deaths prevented, 3 million, 3 million deaths prevented. Hospitalizations, 18 million. 18 million. Infections, 119 million. So I ask you, is that a blessing? I would think so. I mean, 3 million potential death. And, you know, I, I speak not just from the information that you can gather from the studies that have been done concerning the, the effect of the COVID-19 vaccine. I have received the COVID-19 vaccine. My whole family received the COVID-19 vaccine, right? Some of us got the COVID vaccine, but thankfully you know, the, 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 uh, the symptoms were minimal. I have relatives 
who, when this whole outbreak started, they were in the hospital because of an unknown flu. They didn't know it was, they did not know it was COVID yet. And so he was in the hospital for over two weeks, could not breathe, thought he was gonna die. The symptoms was really, really difficult. But after the, the vaccination, they still get the COVID, but it's the, 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 the uh, experience of COVID is not to the point where you cannot breathe or you're, go, you're going to perish and die. And the data reveals 99% of those who perish from COVID in the hospital, because there are those who do not want to take the vaccine, 99% of those who perish from COVID are the non-vaccinated. And so I ask you, is COVID-19 really a blessing from Yahuwah? I mean, what's our standard? How do we test it, right? It's a COVID-19 vaccine. <laughs> COVID-19 itself is not a blessing, right? But the COVID-19 vaccine, is that a blessing from Yahuwah? What do you think? I mean, what's our standard? How do we know? Well, is it doing good? Is it helping to promote life? Is it promoting the commandment number six, which is the, the good part of it, you know, the positive aspect of it, which is to promote life? Is it saving people's lives? It saved millions of people's lives. It has helped people better manage the symptoms when they do get COVID-19. So I think that's a blessing. Well, how about the people who are dying? Yeah, the people who are dying. Doesn't mean that the COVID-19 vaccine is not a blessing. It's like peanuts. Are peanuts a blessing? Yeah. But are there people who die from peanuts? Yeah. Does it mean it's no longer a blessing? It's still a blessing. You just have to take personal responsibility. So if it is saving lives, I would say, yes, it is a blessing. But for us to see that it's saving more lives than harming it, we have to see the whole picture, not just parts of it. We should not apply the cognitive distortion of negative filtering. And when we apply the cognitive distortion of negative filtering, it affects us and makes us think that COVID-19 vaccine is going to bring us harm. For example, someone gave this link to me, right? Says, oh, Brother John, why are you spreading? Why are you telling people to take the COVID-19 vaccine? First of all, I'm not telling people to get COVID-19 vaccine. If they ask me um, what I did, I said, yeah, I took the COVID-19 vaccine, but I never endorsed it. I did not put it on my website or on my, my Facebook page, right? I never did anything like that, but they gave me this report, shocking, VOH reports. Look at that kid who's dead, right? Kid is dead. Shocking, VOH reports. 11 verified adverse event reports of myocarditis among children of ages 5 to 11 years. And so when you look at that, that's proof, brother. That's proof that COVID, that's an enemy. I mean, COVID-19 vaccine, that we should not take it because it's proof. 11 of the verified uh, people, uh, 11 verified adverse event reports of myocarditis among children's ages 5 to 11 years. So 11 suffered. And so you ask yourself, okay, that's good. 11. 11 out of what? 11 out of 52,262. You see, if we apply negative filtering, all we're going to see is 11. But if we want to see the whole truth, not just the half truth, but the whole truth, you see, you have to also look at the positive part of it, right? 11 of 52,000 got myocarditis. 11 out of 52,000, that's only 0.021%. So those who are taking the vaccine, there's only a 0.21, not, not 1%, but 0.021% chance of getting myocarditis. So that's safer than taking aspirin, 
<laughs> right? And those who did develop myocarditis or pericarditis received care and responded well to medicine and rest and felt better quickly. This is why those who take the, va the vaccination, they're asked questions about what they're allergic to. And also they have to stay for how long? About 15 minutes to see if there's an allergic effect, right? So this tells us, you know, we, we, we do not just, because those who apply negative filtering, they see the 11 and they look at the picture of the dead kid and they conclude COVID-19 vaccine is bad. But when you actually look at what it says and when you begin to think and test it, wait a minute, is it really entirely bad? I mean, look at how many lives have it's saved, 52,000 compared to 11. And the 11 did not die. The 11 survived and got well. This is why we have to test all things, right? The, the, the known risks of COVID-19 illness and its related possibly severe complications, long-term long health problems, hospitalization, even death, it far outweighs the potential risks of having a rare adverse reaction to vaccination including the possible risk of myocarditis or pericarditis. That's why my family, I'm speaking personally here, my family and I, we have chosen to receive the COVID vaccination because we made the pros and cons. We had a risk assessment. I do not actively campaign telling people to get vaccinated because I believe that it is the ultimate, it's ultimately the person's choice. However, if people ask me for advice, I would recommend that they get the vaccine because I believe it is a blessing from Yahuwah. Why? Because it's saving lives. Does the data show that? Yes. Have there been people who had adverse effects? Yes. But you have to look at the overall picture, the whole truth, not just the half truth. Because if you just look at the half truth, you're going to conclude and say, oh, you know what? COVID-19 vaccine is not good for you. But if you look at the whole study, the whole truth, it is very good. It is protective and it's helping save people's life. But you have to always consult with a medical profession. You have to know your own body. So to go back to the question that was asked, I mean, if you feed the sheep half-truths, will it bring harmful, will it be harmful and deadly? Yes. This is why, this is precisely why I'm not saying that taking the COVID vaccine 19, the COVID-19 vaccine is against the will of God and it's bringing harm to everyone. I'm not saying that because that's not even a half truth. That's like a 0.021 truth. That's a 0.021% truth. But the whole truth is when you look at the overall package, it's doing more good than harm, okay? So that's my piece about it. But of course, we as people of Elohim, we always place our trust in Yahuwah. So if any of us get sick, what should we do? Let's read one more, uh, one final passage in our study. Exodus 15, 26, and said, if you diligently heed the voice of Yahuwah, your God, and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you, which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am Yahuwah who heals you. And so we, as people of Elohim, we rely, we trust in Yahuwah. If we get sick, we pray first to Yahuwah and we ask Yahuwah, please heal me because you are the source of my healing. You are the source of my restoration. If I do decide to see a doctor, bless that doctor. If I take medication, bless that medication because that will be useless without your blessing. It is you, Father, who gives healing to my body and to my bones. That is our stand in the Assembly of Yahushua. We place our trust, not in science, 
not in medicine. We place our trust in Yahuwah and his power to heal us. Because after all, he was the one who made us. Therefore, he has the power to heal us when we place our trust and hope in him and heed the voice of his commandments. Okay, that is our lesson. Let us stand and we shall pray together. Everlasting Father, most holy Yahuwah Elohim in heaven, thank you so much for the blessings that you have given to us. Thank you because you have made it clear that you want to heal your people. And so we, the assembly of Yahusha, we approach you now. If there be any among us who are afflicted with any disease, we beseech you, loving Abba, heal us of our sicknesses, restore us completely, body, soul, and mind. May we be rejuvenated because of your powerful blessing. Our King Yahushua, we follow your teachings. We also trust you. We heed your voice. Help us that we may receive your wisdom. We pray for guidance that we may discern the difference between truth and error. Help us to do our best to investigate the scriptures. And in so doing, may we find you in them. May you be in our midst and strengthen our faith that we will always be steadfast in the path that we are walking upon. Father, thank you so much for listening to our prayers tonight. Bless each and every one of us always. We ask and beg everything. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen.